Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Brews Less Traveled podcast, where we explore all things travel and craft beer. We're continuing our journey around San Antonio this month with a visit to Weathered Souls Brewing Company. We also had the amazing opportunity to talk with their founder, Marcus Baskerville, the brewer behind the Black is Beautiful initiative. Join me, Julie, and my co-host, Mike, as we chat with Marcus about making a Kool-Aid beer, his surprising spirit animal, and his future plans to lift up underrepresented voices in the industry. We also tasted Weathered Souls Hardwood Classics German Pilsner and their off-the-rails Berliner-style sour, two incredible and incredibly different beers. I can't wait to share this episode with you. Cheers. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club and Podcast. I am your craft beer loving host, Julie. Happy to be here. I will be with you for the month of January. Welcome to our second virtual tasting of the month. And I'm also not alone, obviously. We have our co-host here. We have the wonderful Mike Birch. Mike, do you want to say hello? I do want to say hello. Hello, everyone. Nice to see you again. We've got a really great show coming up today. Tonight, we are exploring the Alamo City again. We are back in San Antonio with a very special guest from Weathered Souls Brewing Company. And as you'll hear soon, this brewery and our guests have taken social responsibility to a whole new level. We do have a fantastic guest tonight. Marcus Baskerville is going to be here. He's the founder and head brewer at Weathered Souls. He's also the creator of the Black is Beautiful campaign. If you've ever seen any of these uh, Black is Beautiful beers around the country the past couple of years, we'll be drinking two of the beers from Weathered Souls. We're going to have the Hardwood Classics German Pilsner, and then we're going to have the Off the Rails Berliner Style Sour, two very different uh, beers today. Yeah, they are absolutely different. So I've tried both of these. It was like drinking beer from two different planets, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I feel like we're really lucky that we get to try this kind of simple classic as well as a sour with kind of yeah. different adjuncts, different flavors, a flavor bomb from Weathered Soul. So it really gives us a nice overview of what they have to offer and the different types of beers that Marcus and the brewers out there have been making. Mike, which one are you most excited to open? Well, I, I do want to try this Pilsner, you know, I'm a lager guy and, but this uh, cherry Kool-Aid sour <laughs> is definitely going to be a fun adventure. I can't wait to try that for sure. It's not, not a word that you would think you'd say with beer um, in the past, yeah, cherry Kool-Aid beer. This is, That's right. <laughs> it's the new normal. I love it. It's awesome. Mike, are you ready to crack one open? Oh yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Everybody ready to open up this Pilsner? Yes, now this is, is the hardwood classics Pilsner. It's a hardwood. It's got like a little bit of a basketball theme there on the can. And this is a traditional easy drinking German Pilsner. It clocks in at 4.9% and uh, 24 IBU. Some words they use to describe it, crisp, refreshing, and lightly hopped. Now this is one of their flagship beers. Oh, this one is beautiful in this light. I feel like the first time I had it, I must've been in different lighting. Cause I remember thinking it looked a little bit of a darker shade, but this kind of like crisp golden color is looking really beautiful right now and making me super thirsty. Awesome. Well, sure. cheers, everybody. Cheers. Welcome to the tasting. Oh, that smell is so good. Yeah, I'm getting that traditional aroma right away, a crispiness. Ooh, very smooth, very smooth drinking beer. I detect a little slightly like American, maybe it's a little, a little hoppier than usual, but it definitely has that German finish on there. We get <laughs> those German noble hop finish. finish. Yep. Yeah, no, it has that nice that uh, little bitterness bitter. at, the, at the end. Yeah, I like mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I like that acidity at the end. I definitely like that as well. I really like that in, in a Pilsner. It really rounds it out a lot. It doesn't 
end up too sweet, you know, like an American lager or something. It really has that nice, crisp, bitter finish to it, which is great. Yeah. So this one is specifically a German Pilsner, as you see here um, on the can. But there are a few different types of Pilsners on the market that did originate in Pilsen, a city in the Czech Republic, and it originated in 1842. A Czech Pilsner, also called a Bohemian Pilsner, is characterized by a medium pale yellow color, low carbonation and a low to moderate presence of noble hops, things like Saz, Spalt, Hallertau, Pilsner, Kel, you may have had that as mm -hmm. kind of the original quintessential Czech Pilsner. It's a perfect example of that style. So there are different types of Pilsners. Yeah, that's interesting. 1842. That seems like uh, it would have been around longer than that. I guess that we just had darker beers before that. Uh, when we got our nice pale lagers uh, that we that pretty much are the standard today. Uh, mm -hmm. But a German Pilsner, like this one we're having today, German style, was adapted from the Czech Pilsner, right, in the 1870s and had the tendency to be lighter and drier than uh, than the Czech Pilsner. Now, the noble hops are more pronounced, you know, uh, with that little bitterness, the finish, and it's a little less on the sweet side. And, you know, they also, they call it a Pils to differentiate mm -hmm. it from a Pilsner. Nowadays, I don't think that distinction is too clear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Pils. I said Pils. I meant the German. <laughs> but that is the original way that the people were using the term pills to differentiate it from the original style. I know I've seen pills on a menu and be like, what? That's like a Pilsner. Why is it say pills? What's mm -hmm. the difference? So I think maybe that that came from that as well. Can't even put this one down. Yeah, it is nice. I'm, yeah. I'm having that problem myself. Yeah, I know. And we have a the, the next one we have is a little bit a little bit higher ABV. So I'm trying to pace myself here um, with this one. But yeah, it is hard. It's it's really refreshing. It's like it's not like overly carbonated. So I feel like it's not going to fill mm. your stomach up as much. So it's like, like you mentioned before, it's really smooth. I think that's, that's great. So Mike, how has your week been? Well, I'm, I'm trying to stay indoors a lot this week. <laughs> Too cold. I'm running, I'm running out of beer, but I'm going up to Burlington, Vermont on, over the weekend. And uh, I'm going to hit the bevy for sure. Now Burlington is a great place for beer. And uh, the bevy is just, it's the beverage warehouse in Winooski, Vermont. And like you go in and they have, all the local beers, you know, you know, as one stop shopping. So the last time I went there, I was like, oh, I'm coming back here again. So that is that's the place to go. I'm, so I'm trying not to buy beer. I'm waiting till I go up there. Right. You have like you you bring like two suitcases and one's empty with a lot of bubble wrap. <laughs> that's the secret to the for those who travel. The secret I've learned is to bring lots of Ziploc bags and lots of bubble wrap and you wrap the beers really tightly and you stuff them in the Ziploc bag. So they're like they can't move. And then you put them in your suitcase and you definitely yep. have to bring an empty suitcase for all that awesome beer yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's a, that's a, that's a, a teaching a class, how to wrap your alcohol for your trips. So <laughs> that's our next uh, virtual you know, experience, alcohol wrapping, right. alcohol wrapping. <laughs> but we'll pair it with like rap lessons for Ooh. saying, you know, how to <laughs> be the worst experience. <laughs> that's good. And I will host it. <laughs> so, of course. Of uh, the wrapping, uh, wrapping and wrapping. That's what we'll wrapping, call it. Wrapping is a horrible <laughs> idea. All right. Wrapping while wrapping. <laughs> wrapping while wrapping. I, I don't like to carry all that around. So I try to drink as much as I can when I go to a place. You know? Yeah. You, so you do what you have to do. You do what you have to do. That's right. <laughs> Excellent. You know, I just came from California last week. So they had great beer out there too. Russian River wow. and uh, tried a new brewery, Moonlight Brewing, also in Santa Rosa. The scene out there is it's really good. Now, I know they have the most breweries of any state in the country uh, in California. So there's a mm -hmm. lot of choice, even though they are still uh, much like we are here in New York and, and the North Northeast is that uh, we're hooked on the IPA. But yeah, I'm seeing more I'm seeing more lagers. So I'm seeing more more different beers and, and more choices. So the, the future is wide open for beer. 
people are yeah. thinking when's the bubble going to burst and it's like i don't think i don't think so i think we got a, we got a ways to go yeah so first, so first the macro bubble you know that's the that's the plan yeah i feel like we're, i feel like we're moving on the right path for sure and despite how challenging the past year or two have been and you know we've lost some awesome breweries i feel like a lot of them have managed to weather the storm uh and are still here and still producing awesome beer i don't think craft beer is going anywhere anytime soon no no, yeah. not at all. <laughs> all right. Let's learn a bit more about Weathered Souls Brewing Company. Weathered Souls opened in November of 2016 by our guest Marcus and his business partner, Mike Holt. And they've been introducing flavorful and unique brews to the San Antonio beer scene using a 20 barrel system ever since. Yeah. And they pride themselves on purchasing their grain locally. And they rely on word of mouth, mostly not paid advertisements to get people to come to their brewery. Something must be working. Obviously, the quality of the beer is working for me, but they were named by Hop Culture Magazine as the best brewery in the entire country in 2020. And I know that our guest Marcus has a lot to do with that. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll chat more about Weathered Souls and the initiative that really put them on the map in just a bit. What do you think? Let's talk a little bit about more San Antonio before I bring our guest in. Uh, you know that one of the nicknames you mentioned this a couple weeks ago was that, that they're called the River City. And in the heart of the city, you'll find the Riverwalk and the Riverwalk is the number one attraction in the state of Texas, uh, which is a big state. It's a very so big state. A big attraction. High praise. High praise. And so it's a public park, right? But it features dining, drinking, boating. It's got theaters. And there's a Spanish governor's palace there from the 1700s. So a uh, really cool spot. Really nice place. Yeah, it, it sounds like it's one of the top things to do in San Antonio for sure. And you'll also see we recently published a blog post um, on bravana.com where we really lay out other things to do. And the Riverwalk is on there as well because there are so many different things you can go to. It kind of connects at one point to Alamo Brewing Company that we talked with last oh, week. Yeah. So that's really cool. And then it also connects to other attractions, including our second uh, top thing to do in San Antonio this week, which is the San Antonio Museum of Art. So inside the museum, you'll find incredible collections. They have Native American, Spanish, colonial, Latin American art, and also the largest collection of Asian art in Texas, which is super cool. They even have a free outdoor artisans market in their courtyard every month. Looks like a really fun, really fun spot, really cool art to see there. It's not like, it's not super huge. So you can probably get through it in a couple of hours and not just be exhausted by the end of it. So you can really, you know, it's a nice, uh, a nice taste of all those different types of art. Oh yeah. Like you say, sometimes you do the art museum and especially they're real big ones. And you can get you get you get burned out. You can't appreciate it as much. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have that in New York with the Metropolitan, and that's the kind of place that you got to visit more than once. Mm -hmm. uh, fantastic museum. And now let's open our second beer and introduce our guest. Oh, we're gonna do this, okay? Yes, yes, we're oh, gonna make it happen. It. Oh, yeah, right. That is like a 180 from that first one. So this oh, beer pops in. Oh, go ahead. No, you please. I'm just. <laughs> you're just you're just savoring it. Yeah, it clocks in at six percent ABV. It has 60 IBUs, and it is made with buckle up, red cherry Kool Aid, sweet cherries, key lime juice, and marshmallows, which is pretty amazing. And I feel like right off the bat, what I'm really getting, even though I thought I would get the kind of Kool Aid, is the marshmallow. Like Me there's too. this real, yeah, like this kind of thick sweetness to it even though it's a sour. So that's, I'm really excited about that. All right, let's give it a try. It's very, it's not, yeah. The marshmallow is a very strong aroma. What do yeah, you think, you, I, I'm, I'm just picking up that lime flavor on my tongue. Mm. This is what gives it that a little bit of the sour to it. And you get the, the, the sweetness with the marshmallow 
I gotta I gotta work on this the Kool-Aid in there. Let me see. <laughs> yeah, see if you can get some of that Kool-Aid. I feel like that's a recognizable flavor, you know, if you can find yeah. it. I mean, you get the cherries for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I like it. I mean, I like it. It's I love anything that's really complex like this. You know, obviously it's just uh that sweetness from the marshmallows and then the sour lime kick. I even get a like a little warming finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like beers like this I love because they are such a good way to introduce people to different styles. If it, if you have a friend, we all have the friend who says, I don't like beer. And then you're like, right. but you know, not all beer. You know, there are so many different styles and there are so many different like beer experiences that you can have and try these different flavors that can surprise you and try this and, you know, find somebody who likes those kind of more fruity cocktails or wine and be like, now try this thing. I think you're going to like it. And it's actually beer, which is really cool. So I think that's always really fun. Yeah, it's it's wild. And it, not, not a, a lot of head retention there. I don't know if that's because mm-hmm. of the the fruit or the marshmallow. No, we could ask Marcus about this, but do you know this marshmallow? Is it going to be a fermentable sugar there? Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, it's probably dextrose or sucrose that mm-hmm. goes into a marshmallow. I'm not sure. Um, both of which would be fermentable. But then you still have all that that sweetness. So I feel like it has to come in after primary fermentation or you'll, yeah. you'll lose all that. So oh, yeah, yeah. We'll... conditioning. Yeah. Oh, yep. Wow. Yeah. That's a good one. I'm sipping this one. Sometimes you get a beer like this. It's like, it's an experience. Stop everything. I'm yes. I'm in, I'm in the moment here. I'm having a a moment. (laughs) Yeah. This beer is, this beer is great. Without any further ado, let's welcome our guest for tonight. We have the head brewer and co-founder of Weathered Souls Brewing Company and the creator of the Black is Beautiful initiative, Marcus Baskerville. So Marcus, feel free to hop on in. Welcome. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you? Right. Doing well. So happy to have you. Thanks for having me. It's much appreciated. Before we dive into the interview, uh, first, you've been hearing us kind of rave and be all excited about this beer. Can you tell us more about Off the Rails? Yeah, please. Yes. (laughs) So originally, Off the Rails was a beer that I used to be a big Kool-Aid fan as a kid. And one of the things that we used to do with Kool-Aid was add like lemons or limes in the actual Kool-Aid to kind of offset the like flavor profile. So I've always wanted to kind of toy with the Kool-Aid beer, but it's Kool-Aid, right? And so sometimes I do what, what I call troll beers, where <laughs> I take the most amount of ingredients that I can or the most obscure ingredients that I could think of that might balance into a a beer and see what I could do with them. And so it was a beer that we did actually probably, I think, two years ago. And it ended up being one of our most popular beers. And so I was like, you know what? We started distribution nationwide. We started sending beers overseas. And we've been pushing out about, I think, five or six different SKUs a month. And so I was like, you know what? why not make a Kool-Aid beer for distribution? (laughs) And so that's how Off the Rails came about. As far as like the flavor profile, it's definitely obscure. But the thing about Kool-Aid is like, Kool-Aid is actually pretty sour unless you add sugar or Mm. some type of other additive to it. And so that's where the marshmallows come into play, kind of to balance out that sour acidic appeal from the kool-aid and then plus the limes and then the cherries to kind of bring forth more of a traditional cherry flavor than the artificial flavor that you're going to just get straight from kool-aid right so those two were more of the balanced ingredients to make it more of a beer 
in making it a sour sweet mess. <laughs> Love it. Right. Yeah. Now, is it is off the rails? Is it a series of different sours? No, that's just this the, one. No, that's okay. just the one off. Yeah. Nice, nice. Okay, there it is. Its own, its own beautiful baby. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, so let's let's shift gears. Can you tell us what do you think? Do you remember the first beer you ever drank? The first beer I ever drank was Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Oh, there you go. Because you're from uh, uh, Sacramento. Area. Yeah, I'm originally from Sacramento. Um, and so actually, I was in Southern California when I had beer. My brother and a relative, they were introduced to beer before me. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into beer around the age 23-ish. Yeah, it was a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Yeah. I remember that... I, w- I was not a fan at first <laughs> at all. It was definitely something to grow into. I think the style that I kind of gravitated towards when I first got into beer was more brownies mm. than anything, kind of that malt forward, a little bit of sweetness, but not overly bitter or anything like that. And then kind of gradually went from there. So how do you yeah. think did that, how did that lead you to, uh, to where you are now from that Sierra Nevada to brown ales? And, uh, and now you, you're, you're, I've seen your tap list. You have such a wide variety of beers. I guess it was all just about your palate growing, right? So one mm. of the things that I always tell our customers when they come in, because, you know, there's a lot of people that bring in friends and then like, oh, I don't drink beer or I don't like this or I don't like that. And I always tell people, well, don't say that you don't like something. Just say that you haven't found a beer that you actually enjoy. <laughs> we tend to give them stuff like off the rails or some of the other sours. Just like we had a customer in not too long ago. Actually, this was a couple of days ago. And she was saying she doesn't like dark beers. And I was like, okay, well, let me give you a dark beer. And so I gave her Claude's Pie Session, which is a brown ale with toasted pecans, maple syrup, cinnamon, allspice, and nutmeg. And it literally tastes like Christmas. It's uh, It yeah. tastes like pecan pie. And so she tried it and she was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I was telling her like, when it comes into things, you shouldn't say that you don't like something. Just say that you haven't found something that you enjoy or something that you haven't appreciated yet. I say that a lot because I'm a huge bourbon fan now. And people ask me about scotch all the time, but I haven't grown into the appreciation of scotch. I don't ever say I don't like scotch because I mean... Who knows when I find one that I'm going to really enjoy, but I haven't grown to the appreciation of it. And so that's what I try to gauge people into versus, you know, the, the latter. And so for my own self, that's kind of how originally I dived into beer, you know, trying everything, not saying that I don't like something, not saying that I'm not going to like something, try it and go from there. One of the things that kind of resonate with that is uh, my daughter, my five-year-old, she's a Pete the Cat fan. And uh, Grumpy the Frog always talks about you have to try something three times before you say you don't like it. And so I generally kind of stick to that when it comes to beer, too. I like that. Listen to Grumpy. Yep. (laughs) That's great. I'm going to start using that. That's really good. I'm going to use that on my beer tours now. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll just say listen to Grumpy and people like, "Uh, um, okay. Yeah, I love that. When you were saying that, I was thinking the same thing about about being a mom and having your child try things and be like, just try it. Like, don't just say you don't like it. You haven't tried it yet. Just try it first. Try it again. Try a different kind. You'll you'll find the one that you like. I love that mission too, as it relates to beer and helping people, you know, find that that type of beer that then when they go somewhere else, they can be like, okay, there's that style that I tried that I really liked. And then they can really opens up the world for them for sure. So 
these two beers that we're drinking, I feel like they, they couldn't be more different. Do you find that you prefer brewing more classic styles like the Pilsner or more of these kind of off the rails styles like the sour or, or both? For me as a brewer, the more traditional beers are the ones that I enjoy brewing, especially because when it comes to traditional beers, there's no way to hide flaws, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of flexing your brewing muscles a little bit when you create these beers and there's no off flavors, there's no flaws within the beer versus some of these adjunct beers and, you know, overly fun stuff. It's just flavors, you know? And even on my personal like drinking preference, I'd prefer a nice crisp lager or headless versus the adjunct stout or some of the fruited sours that we create and different things like that. But for me, I mean, it's all fun to, to broom. You know, I started out as a huge stout fan. Uh, so for me, I kind of enjoyed brewing stouts when I first started uh, the brewery and, you know, our first couple of years. And that's what we're more known for is our stout program. But as time has gone by, you kind of grow a chip on your shoulder because when you get known for a particular style, then people always associate that particular style with you. And they don't give too much of a chance of everything else. You know, people are always like, oh, they're stout brewers. Oh, you know, they all they make are stouts and sours. And it's like, no, I got four loggers on tap right now. I have a Doppelbach. I have a Hellas. I have two Pilsners on tap. You know, I have two West Coast IPAs, a, a blonde ale, brown ale. Like there's all these different traditional things and and normal beers that we create. And so for me, it's always more of kind of an enjoyment to brew something traditional and you know show people that okay, we're not just a stout brewery. You know, we do lagers well, we do you know IPA as well. You know, any style really we want to brew at any given point, we're going to do well. And so. Yeah, I would say more of the traditional wing for me. I feel like those are the types of beers too that really can show what a brewery is made of if you can make a really solid, strong, just like classic Pilsner or something like that where there's, you know, there's nothing to hide. You can't hide behind any other flavors. That's really going to show that this brewery knows what they're doing. And then you know that anything that you try there is going to be awesome. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. We're learning that today, that uh, the the wide variety of uh, styles we're getting from uh from Weathered Souls. Yeah, nice stuff. And so uh, Weathered Souls, San Antonio, you've been there for a while now, right? This year is nine years for me in San Antonio. Oh, okay. And so nine years ago, the, the Texas beer scene looked pretty different. It wasn't as much going on, right? <laughs> Definitely not. I think when I moved to San Antonio, there were four breweries, five wow. breweries. Yeah. I think now we're a little over 20. Big difference from when I first moved here. Yeah. But even then, you think on the grand scheme of things, San Antonio is one of the top 10 cities in the United States as far as size goes. And we only have 20-something breweries. Mm. But then to show you the culture, like a couple of years ago, a news media site was saying that we were oversaturated with breweries. And this was when we were around 14. Let's <laughs> say so Boston has 60, you- so... Right. So (laughs) it kind of just shows you like the culture here when it comes to beer. San Antonio is very much still the Dos Equis capital of the world. Mm -hmm. And so it's definitely an upward battle every day uh, to kind of convert the masses to craft. Yeah. Yeah. We have that issue in New York. Uh, You know, we have uh, 10 million people and we have 38 breweries in the city. 
<laughs> so it's a, the, the ratio is not, <laughs> we're not considering. How do you fit that many breweries in New York City (laughs) on top of each other? Yeah, they're they're out there. Have you considered kind of branching out and having some other locations beyond San Antonio? Um, We've toyed with it. I think, you know, we'll we'll see how the Charlotte location does. Uh, My heart is always going to be in California. And so the ultimate goal for me is to open a location in California. Oh, nice. Northern Northern California, to be specific. Mm -hmm. Maybe one of these days within the next two years or so, something like that might happen. That's awesome. So you are coming to North Carolina to the Charlotte area? Yes. Yeah, so oh, we cool. are planning to open sometime summer, uh, summertime for our Charlotte location. As a North Carolina oh. <laughs> myself, I am very excited about that. I'll just hop on the train. I'll be there in two hours. So I love that. So Marcus, you created the Black is Beautiful initiative in 2020, an amazing project. Can you elaborate on that project for anyone who isn't familiar with it? Yeah, so the Black is Beautiful project um, was kind of created as a catalyst of a lot of things that were going on, dealing with like Civil Rights Movement 2.0, dealing with George Floyd's murder, Breonna Taylor's murder, and just countless things that were going on. I was on a ride or actually on a drive up to Dallas and was listening to Brianna Taylor's mom talk about like the course of actions are finding out how her daughter was murdered and dealing with like processing and stuff like that. I'm almost on the range of like, I'm a huge introvert. Like I don't, I don't do well in large crowds. I'm not that social of an individual. And so I'm not going out to a protest. And so it was one of those things like, well, let me find a way that for myself, I can get back. It was such a prolific point that we were at. I didn't want to, I didn't want my kids to look back and be like, when they're older, you know, this is such a prolific point in history. What was my dad doing at this time? Oh, he wasn't doing a goddamn thing. Like, I didn't want that. And so I had to figure out a way that, given the lane that I have, to kind of get back. And I was actually talking to Jeffrey Stuffings from Jester King. And I was telling him that I wanted to do this release called Black is Beautiful and donate some of the money. And he was like, you know, I'd understand if you don't want to, but you should make this a collaboration. And I was like, you know what, Jeff, you're right. Like, that's a fantastic idea. Um, And so what the Black is Beautiful initiative was, was a call to all of the breweries to participate in a collaborative effort and create the stout recipe that we created at Weather Souls and donate 100% of those proceeds from the stout recipe to organizations that support inclusion, diversity, police brutality reform, and the latter. And so over the course of the last two years, we've had close to 1,300 breweries participate. We've raised over a little over $3 million in support of social justice reform. We even have the launch going again this year with Walmart, where Walmart will be launching about close to 300 stores again with Black is Beautiful with all, in all those locations. And so it's grown in beyond just beer at this point. Um, we've had uh, liquor companies participate, distilleries, wineries, um, even restaurants have. And so it's turned into you know, this huge initiative and it's still getting support even you know, close to almost two years later. Just keep, keep it going as, as long as we can. I love it. Yes. I love it. Now, this second iteration is going to have more of a diversity to it as far as the beers you're saying to uh, not just uh, have the stout recipe that others are going to try. Yeah, so this year, um, this year, Walmart asked if we can do something besides the stout. Obviously, you know, dealing with who buys craft beer at Walmart. 
not everybody's going to gravitate towards a high ABV stout, right? <laughs> so you got to have something a little bit different to support that type of crowd, you know, that type of consumer. And so uh, this year we did a IPA to go along with the stout as well. That will be available in Walmart and hopefully a few other retailers as well. I know we're currently talking to a few other retailers about getting Black is Beautiful in this year. And so hopefully we see it in a few different places. Love it. We had, a, I've had a few in New York. We had the, the Gun Hill Brewing did a, a Cafe Con Leche. And I had uh, one from Wild East Brewing, one of our partners that did a, uh, a Belgian stout, which was so yeasty. It was just coming out of the can. So I've mm-hmm. seen a couple of really different nice. versions because I know you have the base high ABV stout recipe. So what about, what about, what's the most interesting one you've seen somebody do? Anything stand out? I would out? say the most interesting would have probably been the answers. Uh, oh, really? They did, they did theirs with a African coffee, cacao nibs. Uh, they put gold flakes in it. So I would say that was definitely the most interesting. And it, I mean, it was a delicious beer, too. I couldn't get past the gold flakes, but it was definitely good. <laughs> I would say the my, flakes in the beer. Yes. Wow. My favorite would have probably been side projects. And then okay. I also really enjoyed the alchemist. Oh yeah. The, the, uh, I didn't, I didn't try that one. They the did one a, a blend. Yeah. They did a blend. It was a barrel aged blend with the base recipe and then a barrel age. And that's similar to what uh side project did as well. And then I would say my favorite of the actual just traditional recipe, straightforward recipe, no adjuncts, uh, was as close to the recipe as possible was probably Fremont. Oh, out of Seattle area, right? Yep. Nice. They And they're very good at stouts up there. So Definitely I so. I imagine they, they would be good at, the, at that. At I, need a, I need a barley wine collaboration from them one day. That's what I want. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, lucky enough to try a few of their stouts before. Yeah, they do. They do amazing barley wines. Well, it's a fantastic initiative, and I'm glad to see that we're having a, a, a second wave, and I look forward to trying more of them. Yeah. yeah, it's truly incredible. I mean, I feel like it probably blows your mind when you think that, you know, this the idea that you have then has already translated to 1,200, more than 1,200 breweries across every state um, is really incredible. And I feel like it, I feel like it probably has a lot to do as well with some of these other similar types of initiatives that have come out since like Brave Noise um, or the things we don't say IPA that supports mental health. And I feel like that idea has really taken off and it's, you know, there, there are lots of initiatives now that, that breweries can, can see where they can help and what they can do. And I I love that, that this idea um, has sparked so much and has done so much um, for the black community as well. It's incredible. Uh, Both of those uh, collaborations are doing some good things and both of them actually reached out about advice, how to get it launched and, you know, how to run their initiatives and try to get as much support as they could. I mean, it was interesting. Like, I, I think originally I told my business partner, we were going to get like 250 breweries to participate. And I think we've surpassed that after day one. Oh, wow. Nice. And so, yeah, it, it, like I never imagined the initiative to grow as much as it, as it has over the course of time. And it's, such an important topic still within the the industry within itself and not just craft beer either. I mean, you can go into the service industry, you can go into restaurants, you can go into whatever. I mean, dealing with the lack of diversity, um, you know, the lack of support. And so 
the best thing I could do is kind of keep rocking it and, you know, supporting where I can and hopefully it'll continue to grow and stand still and, you know, be self-supportive at some point. <clears throat> One of the things that I got to was almost like a stress level, right? So you see such the large success of the Black is Beautiful initiative. And it was like, well, what can we do next? Right. And so at least having the second location in Charlotte um, has given me you know, more opportunities to be able to give back and, and support and different things like that. But we could talk about that a little bit later. Let's take a beer break. We just had the chance to hear from Marcus about Black is Beautiful, a collaborative effort to raise awareness for the injustices people of color face daily and raise funds for police brutality reform and legal defenses for those who have been wronged. I'd like to take a moment to highlight an additional social justice initiative created by our sister company, City Brew Tours. Did you know over 93% of brewery owners are white? And while 25% of the market for beer is female, only 7.5% of head brewers are women. City Brew Tours launched the Talent on Tap Scholarship in 2021 to fund education for women of color who are interested in making an impact in the beer industry. Last year, three recipients received an award of up to $2,500 to further their education or training. Our 2022 application is closing February 1st, so check it out today at citybrewtours.com slash talent dash on dash tap. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I mean, we we met earlier this week and you had mentioned that you had some big things on the horizon for the initiative. Do you want to share more about that now? Yeah, um, I was actually on a Peloton ride and... <laughs> I was, you know, writing and it was like, well, what's next, right? Where do I take Black is Beautiful from here? We can always relaunch the initiative, but I'm pretty sure it hasn't gone anywhere. People still know what it is. It wasn't one of those things where you had to sign up immediately. So if you're going to sign up, you're going to sign up at this point. And it was like, what's next? And I didn't want to be like one of those situations where it was one off, like it did well and died off. And then we never heard about Black is Beautiful ever again especially with as much hype as it had and attention that it had and different things like that. And I was on a Peloton ride with uh, Tunde, and one of the things she talked about was your passion isn't always your purpose and your purpose isn't always your passion. And that really stuck with me because never in my life did I think I was going to get into anything social justice related. Like that never was in my mind frame. That never was in anything that I ever figured that I wanted to do. And so doing the second location, I'm not going to be there all the time, right? It's going to be pretty open. I might be there a week out of the month. And it was like, well, what am I? We were originally going to open the space without equipment, like brewing equipment. But that doesn't, to me, feel like we're opening a second location and we don't even have brewing equipment. You know, it was something small. And so I thought about that and I was like, well, what can we do? And I had the perfect idea. My grandma, uh, my grandma is 93 years old. And one of the things about her that I learned not until adulthood was that she used to brew during Prohibition. I didn't find this out until I opened the brewery. My grandma doesn't support alcohol. She doesn't talk about alcohol or anything like that. And so to find out when she was an adolescent, she used to brew when she lived in Topeka, Kansas during Prohibition. and 
there was this man that kept asking for some of her uh, product and she grew kind of like spiteful because he kept asking, kept asking, and she gave him some of the concentrated mash. So white man goes on the roof, he's doing construction, and he falls off of the roof. And so she, the short story is basically she prayed to the Lord that they wouldn't take her away. You know, she's 11, 12 years old. They wouldn't take her away uh, for this white man falling off a roof in, you know, 1920 Topeka, Kansas. Mm. And so the police never came and she has had anything to do with alcohol ever since. She just kept her promise. So even to the point of me asking her, like, grandma, like recipes, different things, little things like that. And she will not. Oh, I don't remember any of it. And I know she does. My grandma got <laughs> sure. a strong my mom, grandma got a strong mind, even at 93. Like, I know she probably could tell me the exact water levels and exactly what she did. And she will not tell me it's not going to happen. And so dealing with this location, I kind of wanted to honor her in that. And so we're starting uh, what we ended up naming is the Harriet Baskerville Incubation Program. And what we're going to do is I've partnered uh, with a few different people, Deutsche Beverage Technology, White Labs. uh, We're in talks with um, BSGMR and YCH, and we're going to create an incubation program for individuals, Black, minority, and women who are in planning of opening a brewery. So sitting on the board of the directors for the Brewers Association, one of the things that I've realized is that there's a huge discrepancy, right? When you look at individuals that contract brew, most of them are minority, most of them are women, but most of them don't have the financial means, relationships, or given resources to be able to open brick and mortars. And so they get placed in this bubble, but then even with contract brewing, what are you really learning? What are you really gaining from the experience, right? You're not making your own beer. You're not packaging your own product. I mean, there's very little of the, the actual hands-on experience that you're being able to produce. And what this incubation program is going to do is kind of bridge that gap. So you're going to be able to come in through your own beer. Uh, you're going to be able to package your own beer. You're going to run into classes. So dealing with raw, you're going to go through the whole malting process. Dealing with malting, grain, sensory, hops, you're going to do the same. So hot products, sensory, uh, learning about the different things related to hops. Uh, what products works best with what type of beer and styles. Going into yeast, yeast propagation, cell counts, sensory as well. We've partnered with Jägermeister. You're going to learn about marketing. You're going to learn about sustainability. Um, you're going to learn about everything that you need to actually physically learn to run a brick and mortar location. You're not going to be stalemated with just giving somebody your recipes and saying, hey, make our product. You're going to be able to run A through Z of everything and and be able to gain something from that, be able to learn something from that, be able to build relationships with malting companies, yeast companies, hop companies. You know, you're going to be able to run through the process of being able to secure loans. That's something that we're working on as well. And so it's going to be this beautiful program that we're going to have here at North in North Carolina specifically. And hopefully it's going to be something that's going to help individuals be able to kind of bridge that gap and, and make it to the next step within their brewing journey. So I'm pretty excited about it. That is so yeah. cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, awesome. that you sounds, know, we, we got amazing. I, this is so great talking to you today. 
And I guess uh, we want to uh, sort of wrap things up. We could, um, could, should we go another hour maybe? Julie? Is that cool? <laughs> like three. I, I probably have like three. I could, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I feel like we could talk, talk all night. I feel like these, um, the projects that you've done and the ideas you have have just been really, really amazing in this, this idea of having a place where people who are underrepresented in the brewing industry can go and learn and, you know, and brew and get that education in addition to the experience is just incredible. So I'm really excited to see where that goes to. So Marcus, we'd like to know what uh, we like to learn from the locals. So what would you say that your ideal day off would be in San Antonio? <laughs> my, <you> idea, <laughs> my idea day off would be to stay at home. <laughs> definitely so I'm, I'm such a busy individual dealing with the brewery working on the second location the initiative i also help out with events at the brewery i you know, do everything uh especially me and my my sales manager kimberly we do many things and wear many hats luckily i have two great brewers under me now so i don't have to make too much of the beer anymore but I mean, just like today, I spent most of the day bottling our, our new barrel-aged stout. And so for me, like a fantastic day off would be staying home, baking some chocolate chip cookies with my oldest, playing Candyland where the youngest always wins. She somehow <laughs> always pulls the best card, you know, and just hanging out, watching a couple of movies and just relaxing, not having anybody text or call me and <laughs> just having a day to myself. Perfect day. The silent yeah, that text, would be the yeah. perfect day. Yeah. Silent day. <laughs> I, I love, love that. It. <laughs> All right. As we wrap up here, it is time for our rapid fire questions. So Marcus, your mission is to not think and just answer. Are you ready? Let's go. Clear All your right. mind. Here we go. New Year's resolution. Lose more weight. If you could drink a beer with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? Kanye. What's your spirit animal, Marcus? A panther. Panther. Wait, I take that back. If I had to think about it, my spirit <laughs> animal would be my spirit animal would be Larry David. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> or Larry David in a panther outfit. Yeah, perfect. There you go. All right, beer style that so last year. Seltzers. Oh, well, there we go. Even though it's not, even though it's not a beer, but I like it. I, I like that shot across the bow. Uh, and well, okay, so what's the beer style of twenty twenty two? Hellas. There you go. Bang. Hellas. Yep. Nice. Yeah, I feel like I've been seeing more of those lately too, for sure. Again, going back to those more like classic lager styles. So Marcus, it's been awesome having you today. I love chatting with you. And I know that that the members really enjoyed uh, being able to, to talk to you too. Is there anything else that you would like to plug? If you're in the San Antonio area, check out our event at the end of the month. We're going to have a huge event on the 29th featuring a whole bunch of new stouts, five can releases, a couple crowd releases. We're going to have beers from Mortalis, other half, coffee from Mostra, beer from Moxa, Ace State, and a bunch of other of the homies. This will be the first time a lot of these breweries will ever be featured in Texas. Come check it out. That is, sounds like a very cool event. It's going to be yeah, very fun. We're getting a keg of Slowport Peels from Beer Stat, too. I might oh. not even share that. 
Oh man. I know. I don't think I would either. I, I do not blame you. I got to, I had the pleasure of going there during the craft brewers conference. And that was my favorite brewery that I visited in Denver. It was so cool. And their, yeah, their lagers are incredible. Yeah. We were, I went to CBC and uh, we collabed with Ashley in 2020, had the opportunity to learn some amazing things from her. And so when we went to CBC, we got to hang out and got the, the private tour and got the drink from the, from the Brights. Like right out of the wall and all that good stuff. Like that was an amazing experience. That's awesome. All right. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Thank you, Marcus. Thanks to my co-host, Mike. If you want to find out more about the Black is Beautiful initiative and see if any of your favorite local breweries are participating, you can go to blackisbeautiful.beer. Be sure to tune in next week as we continue our exploration of the San Antonio beer scene with the tasty whip beer and an IPA from Ranger Creek Brewing and Distilling. We'll also be speaking with Tony Ferguson, their head brewer. Can't wait to see you then. Cheers, everyone. Bye. See ya. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me in our virtual tap room this week. I love sharing a beer with you. And don't forget to sign up for the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club at Bruvana.com. This way you'll get all the beers we taste on the podcast delivered right to your doorstep so you can drink along. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and subscribe to Bruvana on Untapped so you can stay up to date with the beers in the box. Can't wait to crack open a cold one with you next week. Cheers! <laughs>